I'm Scott Beyer, and this is the Love Better Podcast, where we explore the truths and lies about love, and more importantly, how to turn love into a skill, something we can get better at and hone along the way. Today's going to be a little bit of a different episode. If the following episode sounds familiar, it is likely because you have heard a version of it from when I filled in for my good friend BJ Sipe on his podcast, Set Your Mind Above. If it doesn't sound familiar, then you definitely need to go listen to Set Your Mind Above and subscribe to his podcast. And while you're at it, go over and listen to his wife, Kylie Sipe's podcast, Called and Worthy. BJ asked me to fill in for him a year or so ago and speak about love. In some ways, you might consider this the prequel to the Love Better podcast. I hope you find it a blessing. I have an old worn out copy of a fiction book that sits on my bookshelf. It is one of the few fiction books with a permanent place in my library. I read it when I was a boy until it was just dog-eared. And I found myself picking it up again as a teenager on my low days. And since then, I've reread it as an adult out of nostalgia and read it to my own kids who have had to endure their father's ever buoyant love of the novel. The book is Where the Red Fern Grows. It's written by a man named Wilson Rawls. The book is about a boy named Billy, two red-boned coonhounds named Old Dan and Little Ann, and it is full of everything every little boy could ever want. Tramping barefoot through the Ozarks, hunting for coons, wading through rivers, chopping down trees with your very own axe, making fires, camping, and being outdoors. These were the things that appealed to me as a boy. I mean... Look, I still take walks barefoot, and I enjoy my neighbors looking at me funny. Somehow this book wormed its way into my heart in other ways, too. Ways that have affected me over the years, and there's just something very sweet and real and profound about it for me. At one point in the book, Billy has to catch a raccoon so he can use that raccoon to train his hounds how to hunt. And there's this frustrating circular logic to it. He needs a raccoon so he can catch raccoons, and in the end, his grandfather teaches him a trick, which I have researched and found actually works. To catch a coon, you find a good sturdy log, and then you drill a hole in the end of it. After you have a decent hole augered out of the end, I want you to then go drive some nails in at the edges. The nails, they need to almost, but not quite, touch each other. Kind of like spokes on a wheel with the spikes all nearly touching each other at the center of the hole. And then last, very carefully, I want you to place a ball of tinfoil at the very back of the hole you just drilled. You see, it turns out, raccoons love shiny things. And when they see the tinfoil, they will open their paw snake it in amongst the nails, and seize the tinfoil in their own tiny little trash panda fist. But with their paw all balled up, they won't be able to back out past those nails. So they're left with two choices. Number one, drop the tinfoil. Escape. Simple enough. Or number two, hold on and face the hunter. The wise decision, of course, is to let go. But the average raccoon is just too attached to the shiny aluminum to do it. Raccoons might be very clever, but they're also a little short-sighted. They're clever enough to get the tinfoil, 
but dumb enough to love it. I can honestly tell you, I think about that tinfoil and that raccoon almost every day of my life. And I often have to ask myself, am I the raccoon? Have I fallen in love with tinfoil again? In the book of Ecclesiastes, the wisest man to walk the earth, Solomon, he describes the tinfoil love problem like this. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What advantage does man have in all his work which he does under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also, the sun rises and the sun sets and hastening to its place, it rises there again. Blowing toward the south and turning toward the north, the wind continues swirling along and on its circular courses, the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. Ecclesiastes 1, 2-8 Solomon recognized that his life was full of tinfoil. And I suspect there may be some in yours too. And to make matters worse, not only is there tinfoil in our life... Everyone's trying to sell us more tinfoil, too. Get a better car, or a larger house, or the newest, most cutting-edge phone. You gotta keep up with the latest fashions, or the newest shows on TV that, you know, everybody's gonna be talking about, or the latest restaurant that everybody's eating at. There is a reason that we as human beings feel so driven all the time. Maybe, just maybe, all of us should take a beat and ask, who's doing the driving? I don't think it's God. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul warns them about those whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. That sounds like that raccoon to me. He's in the trap. But he is convinced, I mean convinced, that he's the winner because look at this amazing glimmer ball I've got. I'm the fanciest raccoon in the forest. But what happens to us when we become caught up in all that shiny stuff? It doesn't lead us to joy. And it certainly doesn't lead us to Jesus. It leads us instead to a new God. One called consumption. Our end is destruction, just like that clever but short-sighted raccoon, because we've fallen in love with earthly things and convinced ourselves that living a life driven by those appetites will eventually fulfill us. But it's all a giant tinfoil lie. You see, in the very next verse, in Philippians 3, verse 20, Paul continues to say, But our citizenship is in heaven, And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That verse is the antidote. I love what Philippians 3.20 says. Being a citizen in heaven, I, I love the idea that I can set my mind above and that Jesus is my Savior and that eventually I will be in heaven where everything will be lovely and perfect. Philippians 3.20 is a beautiful verse. But I will admit there's one word in that verse that I really don't like very much. And that word, it's await. 
await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to get past the tinfoil is to learn to await, because the real stuff, the heavenly stuff, it's going to be a little bit of a wait. For those listeners that don't know me, I've got eight kids. That is a number of children, which when I say it out loud, most people think they misheard me. And then they ask me to say it again. And I will tell you that when you have eight kids, they all have to learn to wait. Because I'm busy, and my wife is busy, and it probably ain't going to be your turn for a while. You see, waiting is a skill in life that my kids, they have just simply had to learn. And let me tell you what waiting isn't. Waiting doesn't look like bugging me every two minutes or whining and groaning under your breath the whole time you're waiting or picking on somebody else because you're bored and you're frustrated. It also doesn't look like trying to cut in line so you can get your thing taken care of sooner. Do you know what waiting actually looks like? Waiting actually looks a lot like contentment. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul will say in verse 6, But godliness with contentment is a great gain. We brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Tinfoil love is discontent. I need more stuff or experiences or attention so that I can fill some void in me. Contentment is the exact opposite of that sort of greedy behavior. A content soul is just at peace with where things are right now. In addition to contentment being a proper perspective on love and life, contentment is a really good companion of joy. Contentment lets you be at peace with where you are so you can enjoy where you are. Did you know that studies have shown that after about $60,000 a year, any increase in household income above that, it doesn't make any measurable positive impacts on the quality of life. Turns out watching a sunset looks just as pretty from a park bench as it does from Jeff Bezos' yacht. If anything, the tinfoil might get in the way of the view. After all, Ecclesiastes 5.12 says, Sweet is the sleep of a laborer whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Too much prosperity can inhibit joy if we aren't careful, and especially if that prosperity is hoarded and loved like a giant Scrooge McDuck pile of tinfoil. Excess income doesn't measurably impact joy. But you know what does make a measurable impact? Service. Putting time and energy into others. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive, and he was right. And if we live by faith, we know he's right, and we ought to live like he's right and trust him. Ephesians 2.10 says we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. So find someone to buy lunch for, and then tell them Jesus loves them. Give the tinfoil away. Find a neighbor, mow their grass, read a book to your kid, or take a break and hold your newborn, visit the elderly, give lavishly, write someone a nice note, take the directory from your congregation and pray for a family each day. Believe me, when you start giving the tinfoil away and finding contentment in service, 
the whole thing starts to make sense again. Because remember, Solomon said it's all vanity. And Paul, he warned against the God of your belly and how it is never, ever satisfied. And Jesus, he told us to enlighten our eyes and find the blessing in giving. You are made to love, just not tinfoil. Let it go. Learn to love without the tinfoil. If you've listened this far, hopefully we've done something to help make your life a little bit better. Would you mind returning the favor and helping us by subscribing to the podcast or your favorite platform? By sharing with others or leaving a review on Apple Podcast, you help us reach more people. Also, if you want more information about the work I'm doing at Eastland, visit us at eastlandchristians.org or my personal Bible site, biblegrad.com, where you can sign up for daily Bible devotionals called Bible Bites and receive them in your email each morning. Take online Bible classes or find videos that will help you study through the Bible throughout the year. And until next time, remember you are loved. So go love better. <laughs>